and welcome to Golf Lovers United, where we discuss golf the fair way. And we've got something a little different today. It's been quite a busy week in the world of golf, so much so that our resident pro golf critic, Jay, is out there at the Live Team Championship finale. So we're going to be digging deep into that next week, but it does mean that we have something a little different this week. The wonderful Ben at Golf Lover UK is talking to someone called Jamie Greaves, a personal trainer who is actually on board to become our resident fitness expert here on Golf Lovers United. And it's it's a little bit weird, isn't it? You know, thinking fitness and golf, but I think we can all agree that since the Tiger days when <laughs> I'm not saying that fitness wasn't a priority, but I would I would suggest that Tiger started a bit of a revolution when it came to getting fitter for playing golf. And we've seen that through the next couple of generations as well. And with golfers on the pro circuits being fitter than ever before. And also people like you and I, who, you know, the weekend warriors going out there and trying to shoot our best scores and and, and do the best that we can for our own game whilst enjoying it. Well, you know, we're putting fitness at the forefront of our mind as well. We've seen that through things like Fit for Golf and the stack system and so on and so forth. And then obviously people like Bryson, people like Rory pioneering, you know, average driving distances just becoming frankly crazy. So fitness is important. This interview with Jamie Greaves, it's a short one, 20, 25 minutes. Ben does a fantastic job of this one. I'm Mark at Golf Dads UK. I hope you enjoy this. If you do enjoy it, if you get involved, if you want to say hi, if you want to let us know, you know, what do you like about the show? What do you not like about the show? What could we change? Let us know at GLU Golf Club on Twitter and tell your friends they can listen at glugc.com. But for now, enjoy this golf fitness interview with Jamie Greaves. Well, what a special guest we've got here today. And I say returning guest, but that's not the right phrase. Jamie is going to be our resident personal trainer. Jamie Greaves, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Now, many of you might know Jamie from Twitter. He is, without a doubt, one of the top one or two golf specific personal trainers on Twitter. And I myself have been to him and my shoulders are less painful and my back is moving better and my swing speed is up. So I, as a 40-year-old, aging, not not really been focused too much on my physical side for a couple of years. I noticed things were wrong. I went to see Jamie and um, he helped me out. So Jamie, before we go into what you do, it's just going to let the audience know that over the next year, Jamie's going to be on the podcast a few times. So if you have any questions about health, fitness, training for golf, please let us know on all your usual social media channels at Golf Lovers United or with me, Golf Lover UK um, or Jamie Greaves. Go and find him on Twitter and YouTube and all the other places. But Jamie's going to help share some information. But Jamie, you're over at Northampton Golf Club. I've been to your studio. It's absolutely fantastic. Do you want to tell a bit about because you were a golfer and then you fell mm-hmm. out of love a bit and then it got into fitness. So tell us for five minutes, just tell us about you. Yeah. So, I mean, I've played all sports growing up. Um, I played football, rugby, cricket, and um, golf was actually one of the last ones that I came to. Um, but yeah, once I, once I picked up a club and um, there was kind of no going back for me. Um, it was the one that I took to probably fastest, um yeah, my kind of career in golf, I suppose. Um, I was a junior player, um, got down to, what, scratch at about 15, 16, I think. Um, I went over to America, 
And the, the ambition from my side of things at that point in time was to, to play golf professionally. Um, got to America, kind of realized that, yeah, I was pretty good, but the, the standard was just insane over there. Um, and I was probably spotting most people 30, 40 yards. And um, by the time I, I was kind of in America, um, and then that enabled me to kind of transition in more into strength and conditioning, um, trying to kind of add length to my own game. Um, it was probably the thing that at the time really stopped me kicking on. Um, so I got to plus two. I was plus three for about one or two weeks, I think. Um, I like that. One or two weeks really... plus three. One or two weeks. You're holding on to that. It's like, it's like the fact that I, think so. I got to five foot <laughs> eleven and a half and I, I cling on to that half. <laughs> I think I was plus 2.5 for two rounds of golf. Um, but yeah, obviously when, you, when you're playing at that level, it doesn't take much for it to go uh, go the wrong way. I think I was the round that knocked me off. I'd still shot under par, but uh, that's kind of how it is at that at that level. Um, but yeah, I in terms of taking it further from there, um, I mean, I just, I think I was probably, what, one probably not even 110 club head speed, which, you know, it's practically impossible at that level of club head speed, um, especially nowadays, to to kind of go far, even in the top amateur game, to be honest. Um, so that, that put me on a path of uh, strength and conditioning. It had been something that I'd been interested in anyway, because I, like I said, I'd played all other sports and it was, it was more commonplace in some of the other sports that I'd... Uh, participated in um came back to the uk kind of started going down the you know personal training strength and conditioning qualifications and started doing some more golf specific stuff and um, but sadly as i was doing that i kind of obviously fell out of love a little bit with the game i suppose um my own personal golf game suffered and um, i no longer had that ambition of playing um, but then also found it very difficult to just enjoy golf shooting a few over par, considering obviously the golfer that I had been. Um, and that kind of started a bit of a downward spiral in my golf game. Um, and, you know, the, the golf S&C side of things has really kind of gone from strength to strength. S&C, um, you, I know what it means. Tell the people what it means. So S&C is strength and conditioning and... Yeah, it's so obviously you've got kind of personal training and then probably, I don't want to say like the level above that, but normally strength and conditioning coaches have got a little bit more kind of education um, behind them, looking more at athletes and training athletes rather than maybe just general kind of population. Are you trying to infer, at, Jamie, that I'm not an athlete? What? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would say no such thing. Um, but yeah, it's... It's kind of gone from from there, um, and then obviously, what two and a half years ago now, set up my own studio at Northampton Golf Club, um, and then being at a golf club, I suppose, has reignited my own uh, golf game a little bit, my own desire to at least get back to what I consider 
a reasonable standard of golf for myself and uh, to try and start enjoying golf a bit more. Look, I think, I, well, we, we spent a bit of time together, did three and a half hours in the gym, had some lunch together, talked about golf, all aspects of it. And we laughed at people trying to play the 18th over at Northampton Golf. If, if anyone's not played the 18th Northampton Golf Club, basically it's a forced carry about 145 yards over water and over a river to a ever narrowing strip of land right in front of a clubhouse old school proper 18th in front of the clubhouse in front of the balcony it's, it's superb and watching people play into there was great fun but I think one of the things we discussed that I think was so so different is that I think people are now training for people used to just train because they trained I think they trained without focus you say like sports conditioning S&C so the golf aspect of training, the golfification of a gym workout has, has become massive. When do you think that we saw that switch outside of the professionals? But I'm talking, uh, I'm a, I'm a semi, I'm a semi fat 40 year old amateur who plays off a nine, nine and a half who can hit it. who can swing it as you've seen at one twelve, one thirteen, but can also swing it at one Oh five. If the back's not firing on them a bit stiff. So, when did that go from the world of professional golf, do you think, to that golfication of exercise for people like myself? When did that come in and what was the driver? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question, actually. I think in golf, um, a lot of it does filter down from the tour level golf. And so, I mean, it was only, what, 20 years ago that you, you had you know, club fitting started coming out and the typical response was, oh, well, I'm not very good. So there's no point in me going to get fit for a golf club because I'm, I'm not a good player. That's only for good players. Um, and certainly I think fitness has followed a similar route where people have gone, well, you know, I, I'm not good enough to use fitness to help my golf game. Uh, and I think back to six, seven years ago when I kind of started doing this, my clientele would have very much been tour players, county players, elite juniors. I, I didn't really have many, you know, average club golfers, so to speak, um, because the average club golfer probably just didn't think it was that applicable to them. Um, but like club fitting, it has started to shift now. And I think most club golfers realise that they could um, improve on the course, but also off the course with some fitness work now knowing that and doing that are two different things because obviously doing it requires a certain amount of um you know commitment um but and i think time, most people... time and the commitment i think is a big thing and i know people say if you want to make time for it you'll make time for it but i run a business i've got a child i've got i got things i want to do things i have to do i want to play golf so sometimes finding 35 40 minutes a day every other day isn't isn't always easy especially if you've got to travel to a gym yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, whenever I'm working with people, I'm always looking to see what kind of impacts and what kind of training we can make that's sustainable and that fits in with their lifestyle. Um, so like you say, if you're, you know, if you're working Monday to Friday, eight hours a day, you've got young family, you've got other commitments, me asking you to go to the gym for an hour, you know, four times a week is probably not going to fit in Um with your lifestyle and then what ends up happening is you just won't do it at all and um, so if we can find ways to get people to do you know five ten minutes a day 
at home. And then when the opportunity arises, maybe they do 20, 25 minutes, you know, it that will soon add up. And that's far better than doing nothing. Um, so I, you know, you follow me on, on Twitter. I, I constantly bang on about 10 minutes a day of something equates to five hours a month. Um, so 10 minutes a day is a small time investment. Even when we're particularly busy, we, you know, we can normally find 10 minutes somewhere. Um, well, you did, you did that. And it's the consistency element of it. You, you did a program for me that my wife laughed at, not the program, the fact that every night, sort of 10, 15 minutes, I did the thing on the thing on one arm, the thing reaching around, pretending to drive the steering wheel, turning, looking behind me, all that sort of stuff. And, and that, that was easier to do than the three. It was easier to do 15 minutes of that a day, every day. And don't get me wrong, there was the odd day I still didn't do it. I did it yesterday. I did day four. Might not, might not, but I think I'll probably do it five and a half, six times a week, which is I'm pretty happy with. And that has been really good. And I think that's been as impactful as some of the other stuff. And when I get to go to the gym and do the med ball throws and I feel really good and all that, you're right, consistency in time. What I'm conscious of, I want to make sure that this becomes a series that people really can learn from and enjoy and drive people to some of your content. What are the three things you can say about longevity for a golfer? So let's talk to the 40 to 60 year olds for a bit of longevity, maybe the older than that as well. I know you've got a couple of guys in their 80s. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about longevity. How can we protect our shoulders? How can we protect our lower back? Yeah, so I think depends upon, you know, I work with clients of all ages and abilities and people have different goals, different reasons. Um, and I think generally, as you get a little bit older, it becomes more about, you know, yes, everyone wants to hit the ball further. I mean, obviously, that's that's a given. I don't think anyone really wants to hit the ball shorter. But as you get older, it more becomes maybe, you know, I want to play that 18 holes of golf and not get out of breath. Um, I want to, you know, a lot of golfers struggle on those final few holes. And, you know, the amount of people that have poor finishes to a round of golf. And, and it those kind of things are quite avoidable. Um a lot of people have poor starts. And yeah, I would say, and the poor starts. I play, I play a bit of golf with um, a few people. I played with a guy. A lot of people listening to this will know it. So I play with Flushing It. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. most people know Flushing It off Twitter. And he and like he and I talk, and I was sharing scores, and he and he think he said that I'm the world's worst starter. Like the amount of times I go bogey, double bogey, and then I'm warm. I think mine's more psychological than physical, but there's mm-hmm. stuff that can be done around that as well, and. And then I'll end up shooting like sort of seven, eight over and I've ru- I ruined the start and I'm going to end up shooting 10 over. So the cold, the, the cold start is as much as that, is that slow finish, isn't it? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've done, you know, talks to golf golfers before and, and I've, I've done a bit on social media around this. I make a bit of a joke about your, your, your standard 18 hole Stapleford. And most golfers, it takes them four or five holes to get going because they're, you know, coming straight from the car, walking out onto the first tee. Some they might even be having to kind of run a little bit to get to that first tee because they're running late. And then you know they expect to go from gear one to gear six straight away, and it just doesn't happen. The human body doesn't function like that. Now, when you're twelve, you know you're one of these juniors, you might be able to get away with it. Um, but past that, generally, you you know the body needs to be prepared to perform. So the first four or five holes for a lot of people 
you know, they're not giving themselves that chance to perform. And then potentially fitness related, but certainly, you know, fueling themselves on the course with water, um, with food. People generally do a terrible job of things like that. Those last four or five holes become a bit of a, you know, sticking point as well. So you've got an 18 hole staple. The halfway house hot dog or the halfway house heavy, (laughs) heavy. um, I did it at the Belfry at PJ National. Halfway house. If anyone, if everyone's played the Belfry, they'll know. Um, that sausage roll at halfway, it weighs best part of a ton. And like, I killed myself the first day. Like I, I played the first seven holes with a shotgun start, played the first seven holes and two over and was about to get lynched by everyone playing off a of 14. Um, and then I had this, then I had this mountain of a sausage roll and I double bogeyed three of the next four holes. And that's a big thing. You're right. That, that nutrition, but how do we get those messages through? And not not all now because we're going to do a series on it. Yeah. We'll do golf course nutrition. We go into depth, but we're going to do we're going to do protecting back, protecting shoulders, gaining speed. But this is a general feel for people that that nutrition thing is it just habit? Is it just laziness, or is it just it looks good? Don't want to miss out. What is it? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think um, poor information, poor misunderstanding from people. People have no idea about the kind of energy demands that a round of golf bring. Um, I think we assume because it's just walking, we're not get, really getting out of breath, that actually there's no energy demands. Um, peak golfers notoriously are quite poor from that. I mean, I've had these conversations with you know tour players about what to eat and drink on the golf course, like things that you would think at that level that they would know, but it it's just not thought about much in golf. And um, um, and what I say to people is, you know, I appreciate as much as I would advocate everyone doing, you know, some mobility stuff, some strength stuff, some power stuff. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of that, not just for the golf reasons, but off the course as well. But even if you are someone and it's like you are dead against, I'm not going to do any of this. You could most people could lower their scores or give themselves a better opportunity to perform by doing some really simple things like just making sure they're ready to play golf making sure their golf bag has got some reasonable stuff in um for their rounds like we're talking a few minutes of actual kind of you know expenditure here we're not talking about a big commitment but for a lot of people that could have an impact over those first few holes and over those last few holes um, I'm holding up so what it, I think is the best three quid anyone can spend, hmm. which is a, just a TheraBand, isn't it? Yeah. And like that TheraBand, yeah. just the ability to, to do, well, me to, when you direct people to, 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 to your, so to your social and to your YouTube, so people have a little look at some of the stuff you talk about. And I know we're going to do greater in-depth sessions and it's not that we don't want to do it now, but do you want to direct people there? Cause obviously you know it way better than I do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm JG, Golf Fitness. Um, I'm probably most prevalent on Twitter. Um, I post a lot of content on Twitter. I'm JG underscore Golf Fitness on Instagram. I do post quite regularly on Instagram as well. But Twitter is probably my main platform. Um, but yeah, I, I'm constantly putting in things like you know banded warm ups. To me, a a resistance band or a ferro band, keeping one of them in your golf bag, it costs a few quid and it's one of the easiest things that you can do. You know, you spend a few minutes warming up before you, ideally before you hit balls, before you practice each time. Um, it's a great habit to get into. Um, 
it's something that I'm starting to see more and more golfers do. Um, obviously, you've been to my studio. You see that I kind of overlook the putting green. And um, when I first started here two and a half years ago, I didn't see anyone warming up with bands. And now, actually, it's quite a common thing to see someone, you know, warming up with a resistance band outside my studio. And um, so it, it is kind of coming in to golf, which is a is a good thing because it's such it's such a low hanging fruit to just make sure that you know that first tee shot you're ready. Now it doesn't mean you're going to hit a good golf shot, obviously, but it at least your body is prepared to go from the first hole, and um, so it, it stacks the odds a little bit more in your favour anyway. What's the what's the two things then? I know you've got a math, you've got to be careful. Obviously, uh, the, uh, the the disclaimer: please don't do any exercise until you consult your physician, all that sort of stuff. But what are the couple of things that people can be doing? I know we're going to do it in depth. We can talk about protecting your back, protecting your shoulders, and squatting, and lunging, and deadlifts, and med ball work. We're going to talk all about that at some point. But if someone's after a bit of speed. What are the things that people can do to integrate a bit of speed into their normal training or into their, their golf practice? Um, so when speed is an kind of a main objective, I think one of the big things I talk about in the gym is intent. It's one of the things I bang on about a lot to people. Even when people are doing the right stuff um, is they, they lack the intent. So we know that you know the information is is pretty clear out there that lifting weights, throwing med balls, jumping, all that kind of stuff is, is really helpful for increasing kind of explosiveness, getting stronger, you know, producing more power. We you know that's quite well documented, and actually a lot of golfers now understand that. But when I watch them the first time, uh, they're to me they're going through the motions on it. If you're go if you're throwing a ball for the intention of adding power. Like throw that ball, like mean it. Um, so I, I actually track those kind of numbers when people come in. I have like a, a, a medicine ball and it's got like a built-in radar inside it and it tells me how fast, how much power you're putting into that. Um, and, and I use that kind of stuff a lot with people. A lot of people lift weights because they know they should and they kind of half, you know, they're going through the motion on it. If you're going to lift a weight, like mean it. If you're going to jump, try and jump as high as you can or as far as you can. Um I think intent in the gym, in intent in what you're doing, you know, you could link that into golf as well. I mean, how many golfers practice just aimlessly? They're just aimlessly hitting balls. They're aimlessly, you know, hitting putts. There's no real intent behind what they're doing. There's no real thought process. Why am I doing this? Um, What am I trying to achieve by doing this exercise? Um, And then when it comes to swing speed, actually, you know, another big one is is practicing swinging fast. Um, the analogy I use on that is is often sprinting. So from, you know, strength and conditioning, we know that strength in squats, um, force in jumps, all these kind of things go into how fast someone can potentially um, run 100 meters. But if you want to get faster at running 100 meters, at some point, you've got to put the spikes on and, and go out there and try and run quick. Um, and the, the same thing applies to golf, um, you know, and that's that's one of the big things that obviously Bryson did um, during lockdown is he practiced swinging fast, hitting driver over and over again, um, trying to raise that that speed barrier. 
Now that has that is something that's come a lot into golf recently. I, I do think there needs to be a caveat to it of only doing that is actually, I would say, slightly dangerous because you're you're kind of training the body to move faster than maybe what it can handle. And um, so I think only doing speed training without the the, the strength side of it is is a dangerous uh, way to go. But if you've got all the building blocks in place, then you can't actually beat just practicing swinging quick. I suppose for people to understand swinging quick, it's, they worry about losing form and losing structure in their swing, but actually it's not about that. It's not about trying to swing your quickest in your in your correct swing path and plane, is it? It's about just how can you swing fast? Can you get your body going? Can you get your legs going? Can you react across the ground? Can you do all of that? And then swinging your normal swing a little bit later, having done some fast swings, that's the concept, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I talk about that because that is a big concern. I talk about two numbers with people. I talk about maximum speed and then cruising speed or gaming speed. Um, so cruising speed or gaming speed would be a speed that you would feel comfortable hitting a golf ball at. It's a, it's a speed that you would kind of be on the golf course. Um, and obviously, at the end of the day, that is the number that we, we want to go up. But it's far easier for that number to go up if your maximum speed, so your speed ceiling is much higher. And the, the only way really to, to raise the speed ceiling, you know, you can get stronger, you can get faster, which gives you a, you know, a bigger engine and more potential to raise that ceiling, um, is to kind of excite the nervous system and just to, to train yourself to swing quicker, you know, and it, it's something that pretty much all the pros are doing now, um, Someone like a Harrington would be a, a great about to follow say, for, Padraig, for social media. Yeah, yeah. Padraig, in a way, he just sw- practice swings and he swings really quickly. And yeah, it's um, look, it's been great having you on and we're going to do some proper longer sessions, or well, not longer, but more in-depth into one subject. So today was to let the listeners get a chance to hear more about you, go and find you on social media. We're going to get you back on to do something on, I think, protecting a neck and shoulders, like building in some stability, lower back, um, building in speed, talk about some nutrition. Maybe, maybe, maybe I send you what I eat typically when I play golf before, during and after, and you give me some nutritional breakdown of that and what I could replace it with, but maybe not full replacement because I've got to keep a club sandwich in there somewhere but look, <laughs> Jamie thank you so much for that I really appreciate it um, no problem at all hopefully, hopefully the listeners come and find you want to say one last time where you are so they can come and find you but on, on the socials yeah so I'm JG Golf Fitness um, on Twitter and JG underscore Golf Fitness on Instagram and you give away so much free content. That's how that's how I found you, wasn't it? I I did your shoulder the shoulder routine you put on there because that's why I had two shoulder operations, and I actually found it was really really beneficial. And came to see you and say, okay, my terrible shoulders are now just really bad. Can you make them even better? Look, Jamie, thank you for today, and um, we'll catch up soon. Thank you. 
All right, thank you to Ben for such an insightful interview and thank you to Jamie. I'm looking forward to the next episode that Jamie features on as one of our resident guests here at Golf Lovers United. If you enjoyed the show, let us know at GLU Golf Club over on Twitter. My name's Mark at Golf Dad UK and next week we'll be back with a normal episode to talk about, well everything that's gone on over in Miami and beyond. It's actually been an interesting couple of weeks in the golf world. So I'll be back, Jay will be back, and of course, Ben will be back next week. If you have enjoyed the show, tell your friends at glugc.com is the place that they can go to listen or their podcast app of choice. Until next time, keep enjoying your golf. It's a lot of fun. Don't let it become anything else. See you soon.